welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast with your hosts Mackenzie and Micah. Today we are talking about spiritual baptism. Um, and other varieties of baptism. Yeah, there you go. Um, most people, when they hear the term baptism, they think of uh, something involving water. Um, if they grew up maybe Catholic, then um, there's a sprinkling of water. Um, if they grew up Baptist, then there might be a uh, river or a lake or a tiny swimming pool involved in baptism and the whole body goes under. Um, but in the early days of, of Friends, um, the idea that you were required to get dunked or sprinkled with water um, was not actually adhered to by, uh, by Quakers. They talk about a spiritual baptism instead. Yeah, and for, uh, for, for, for most Quakers and for also the Salvation Army, it turns out, I think Salvation Army also um, that sounds right. Rejects uh, rejects the what what Quakers often call the outward sacraments. Yeah, um, every now and then, uh, the Salvation Army and the Jehovah's Witnesses are like they're the two where we sometimes line up with. Interesting. Yeah, so at least one place where we line up with the Salvation Army is I think I think both of us don't don't practice uh, uh, water baptism and and the Lord's Supper, um, but uh, sort of the origin of this I, I think again as. As I'm, I'm constantly harping on this podcast, and I will harp once again. Getting, hold on, I'm getting out my harp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't understand the Quaker movement unless we are aware of the context in which it emerged. And, and of course, Quakerism emerged during the Civil War in 1650s England, or I, I, I guess just in the aftermath of the Civil War in, in 1650s England. Um, and uh, at that time, the Church of England was a state church. It, I mean, of course, Church of England still is a state church. Um, at the time, it was, uh, you know, from French perspective, a fairly oppressive state institution. Um, everyone, everyone had to pay uh, taxes. Not that you paid your taxes to the state, but then you also paid your taxes to the church. Your tithes, tithes in those days were not um, were not optional. They were not a free will offering. Uh, they were, you know, what you paid to the church uh, for the church's maintenance. Well, in some countries, things still work that way. I know in Germany, you register what religion you're affiliated with, and then it comes out in your tax return. Right. And the government goes, okay, you had, you know, this many thousand people uh, sign up as being your denomination, so here's your chunk of money from them. Right. So it was it was that it was that way in England, um, except there weren't options. It was the Church of England. Everyone, regardless of their religious convictions, paid their money to uh, through the government. And uh, a part of this government apparatus was water baptism. Water baptism was a way where every child uh, who was born in England uh, was automatically baptized by the local priest, um, probably by sprinkling of water, sort of like the Catholics do today. Um, and it was just it was just an initiation rite for any child, um, just as much as sort of uh, you know in the hospital today when you have a child, <clears throat> they come in and give you the paperwork that you can fill out uh, to make your child a, you know, a legal resident of the United States and give them their legal name and things like that. Water baptism was just like that. Uh, it was saying- And, and there's even the naming part too, because um, at, at, least, at least nowadays, there's uh, asking for what is the child's Christian name. Right, right. So I, I think naming and, naming and water baptism uh, may, have, may have gone hand in hand as well. So 
in this context, uh, as far as I know, all the early Quakers uh, had been baptized with water as children. Uh, in fact, there's, uh, there, we, we know the church in which George Fox was baptized as a child, and that, that, that church building still stands, and there's still the baptismal font where George Fox was baptized, and the joke is it was the baptism to end all baptisms. Um, <laughs> but but so so the early Quakers the early Quakers were all water baptized. The early Quakers, you know, had had, had pretty much all taken part in in, in all sorts of other uh, rites of, of of the established church. They were familiar with all these things, um, and yet they chose to reject many. Uh, in fact, maybe even a majority of these things. And so, in the case of water baptism, why? Um, well, water, there, there are a number of reasons why. First and foremost, uh, I think the early Quakers would have told you, because it's not scriptural. They would have said it's not, it's not uh, demonstrated in scripture that uh, water baptism is a requirement of Christian discipleship. In fact, um, they would argue, and, and I know, um, you know for, for, our, for, our, for, our, um, for our listeners out there who do not come from this tradition, uh, I think you have a legitimate argument in contrary here, so I won't say I won't say the Quakers were necessarily right about this, but uh, I don't think they're necessarily wrong either. They argued that uh, the form of water baptism was uh, sort of uh, an old Jewish rite uh, that was employed by the early church, but that was was not intended as a permanent as a permanent rite, um, as not was not intended as a universal admonition. Um, for for Christians, so uh, you know, for example, the early Christians uh, were circumcised because they were Jews, um, and water baptism, also known as mikvah, was and is an ancient Jewish tradition of, of ritual washing and cleansing that was practiced by Jews, um, and and so the argument was that this was not intended as a perpetual ritual for Christians to observe, but was something carried over from as as as, as a symbol. Uh, from the Jewish tradition. Right, and in support of that, they point to, um, or we point to John the Baptist, um, saying that, um, you know, I baptize with water, but one is coming after me for whom I am not worthy to even untie his sandals, and he will baptize with spirit and fire. Right, and so that, that, was, a big, that was a big talking point. Um, you know, if George Fox had, had lived in Washington, D.C., he would have heard it to one of his talking points. Um, George, George, one of George Fox's uh, and the early friends' ma major talking points when it came to water baptism uh, was this contrast between the two baptisms and the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. And, and John himself saying that um, this baptism that I'm doing now, this is, this is, this is something that, uh, that is inferior to the baptism that's coming, which is of the Holy Spirit and of fire. And the Quaker argument was that... Um, the, the, the water baptism, the rite of water baptism, or mikvah, was a rite of repentance and preparation. But when the true power of God came, the real baptism, the real cleansing and transformation came from the Holy Spirit. Right, and, and you still see, well, okay, so then there's, there's also this part of scripture where it says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all I have taught you, and baptizing them in the neighbor, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Or, or, or into, and, and something that's interesting here is the word baptism, it just means immersion, right? So it, mm -hmm. like the word baptize, like you'd say, uh, I'm trying to think of something I would immerse, um, but like my, if I were, if, like in Greek, if I were talking about like immersing my sponge into water, I'd be like, I'm going to baptize my sponge now so I have it wet so I can do the dishes, right? <laughs> um, and so baptism meant immersion. 
Uh, and it's in a Christian context. So you can be like baptized into Spanish if you're trying to study the language. I guess you could say, although I think that's, again, a poetic use of the word. <laughs> um, but, but, but I guess uh, baptism was not a special fancy religious word that had a specifically religious meaning um, in Jesus' time. Uh, and so it has taken that on, you know, obviously after 2,000 years of Christianity using that word and anglicizing the word baptismo into baptism. Um, and the it, part where none of us actually speak Greek oh, yeah. normally. There, there, there's that too. Um, and so, except for the Greeks, I, I hear they still speak it. <laughs> okay. I'm guessing that most people listening to this probably don't speak Greek right. on account of we're doing this in English. But but I think the, the important Unless thing... Unless maybe Themi is listening to it. The, import, <laughs> the important thing here is that um, baptism baptism is a reference to immersion. And so when, it's, when it says in, at several different places, places in the New Testament... Uh, particularly in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, baptizing them, and it's often translated as baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. That's a legit translation uh, because we because the word ace in uh, Greek, uh, it's not you know you can translate a couple different ways, but um, I think it's a more I think it's a more accurate translation um, to translate it as baptizing them into the name. Uh, of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. So then take baptism, right? And let's use a non-churchy word for it, which was the original connotation, immersing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, I think there's uh, I think there's a good argument to be made that we're not talking about we're not talking about a ritual practice here, but instead an immersion into the life uh, and spirit of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, like like how we often say like that somebody's immersed in a book. Right, something like that, um, except hopefully a bit more profound. Well, but but they're but they're losing themselves into it. Right, and and I think you know we and going deep. We we can argue all day, and in fact, Christians have argued for centuries about this point. Um, but I think I think I think one thing I would say is that we can argue about a sp- like what you know what Matthew I think it's twenty eight like what uh, what 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 that Don't part ask me of, numbers what what that what that uh, part of Matthew you know that particular verse what was the actual meaning of that word there blah 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 but I think more important is to look at the look at the breadth of scriptures um, and and look at what is required so a lot of Christians throughout history and, and including today think that um, in order to be in a right relationship with God slash go to heaven. Uh, you need to be water baptized, and that's just a requirement. Well, we know demonstrably from Scripture that is false, because if you look at uh, Jesus uh, on the cross with the two the two men uh, crucified next to him on his left and his right, one of the men says, "Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom." And Jesus says to him, "Today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise." That dude was not water baptized, guaranteed. No, nobody stood there with a bucket and right. <laughs> slosh. So, so we know that this guy who was unbaptized had or had had the kind of relationship with Jesus, where Jesus basically says the most, um, probably the most like intensely uh, "you are saved" kind of statement mm-hmm. anywhere in Scripture. He says to this guy, he's crucified next to him. Um, furthermore, uh, going you know fast forwarding a little bit. To a little bit later on in the movement, when uh, Peter uh, is told by the Holy Spirit to go visit um, the household of a Roman centurion, who of course uh, is not a Jew and, and does not follow Jewish law and is sort of untouchable by Jews, but God says, "Go anyway, go to the centurion's house and 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 do what I show you." And when he gets there, the Holy Spirit is poured out um, on everyone present, uh, including the centurion and his whole household of, of non-Jews, and. Um, 
Peter's response is, how can we withhold water for baptism from, the, from those who have already received the Holy Spirit? And so in that particular case, he still did do the rite of water baptism. No one, including Quakers, argues that the early church did not practice water baptism. But what's important here is that water baptism was not first the first thing that happened. Water it baptism, came after the baptism of the Spirit. Absolutely. So water baptism was not a gateway to the life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit was a gateway... The, the life of the Spirit was the reality that came and made Peter say, hey, the life is here. We might as well do the ritual that we are used to. Mm-hmm. And and you still see, um, or, you know, I was saying, if you look at, like, the Baptist church, they do um, believer's baptism, right, as opposed to what the Church of England was doing in Fox's time, which is um, called pedo-baptism, meaning baptism, baptizing children. Yikes. But that but that term does make you go, what? But it's just because we've got a... That's a couple of syllables we associate with some other things now, but it just means child. Um, <laughs> so they they baptize... You know, Catholic Church, Anglican Church, they baptize children. And um, so you know, the Baptists looked at the same scripture as Quakers did and said, hang on a second. Shouldn't be getting any water on you until after you're a believer. Whereas we said... Well, once you're a believer, why bother? Um, for the most part. However, we did have, there's, um, there are some Quakers who do do water baptism. Because in the late 1800s, there was a thing called the uh, Baptism Tolerationists. And um, so I know if you look at a few different a few different groups of evangelical friends, I don't know, I don't, are there any FUM ones that do it? Uh, the, the one yearly meeting, the one yearly meeting, uh, and again, for those of us who aren't familiar uh, with sort of Quaker lingo here, a yearly meeting is sort of a, a conference or a diocese or... Yeah, know, I usually a, go with diocese a, to explain a, it. A denominational entity that is typically geographically based. Um, there's only one Quaker uh, Quaker yearly meeting, as far as I know, that has that had, that took, and this was a long time ago, this was in the late 1800s, took an official stance and said, yes, we allow water baptism. Um, and, uh, and in fact, today, well, water baptism is widely practiced um, in eastern region, which is primarily in Ohio, but they do have churches in other places too. They they have some down even into uh, Virginia, North Carolina, even uh, at least one in Florida, okay. some in Rhode Island. So they're they're sort of spread out. But eastern region, they, it used to be one of the Ohio yearly meetings. Um, yeah, and they 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 w- took the most proactive stance on saying yes, we do absolutely allow water baptism. And um, today, really, the question is whether it's you know officially it's not required, but but I've it sounds like in some churches it, it, it sort of becomes expected. Uh huh. Um, yeah. But it's it's done as a a symbol of you know commitment to this group. Mm-hmm. Um, commitment it, to Christ. So well, or to the church, or yeah. Um, I think I think big C church. <laughs> I, I think it's really easy for us as Quakers to talk about um, baptism as a negative, saying we don't do this, we don't do that. But the fact is, Quakers have an ext- because we have been dissenters on this. Quakers uh, have a very developed theology of baptism, and uh, as usual, you, you, if you've been listening along in our other our other podcasts, um, as usual, Quakers uh, take the concept of baptism and spiritualize it and make it something. Um, that can be experienced as an inward reality, not just as uh, an outward rite. Uh, and so one of the key ways that Quakers have, have traditionally thought about and continue to think about baptism is uh, as a process of ongoing transformation and purification and development to holiness. 
So, like I said with, with John, water baptism, the water baptism of John, the Baptist, was a rite that uh, was a Jewish rite that uh, helped, helped sort of ritually prepare uh, the, 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 the person being baptized uh, to uh, embrace repentance and a, and a changed life and, and to go through sort of a moral, a moral uh, purification. And so uh, Quakers have understood the true spiritual baptism as being just like this. And, and so when Quakers, uh, you know, have, have experienced, uh, you know, like George Fox was, was wandering the countryside, um, you know, seeking after God and, and, and having, having, uh, having struggles and then having truth revealed to him, uh, Quakers would often refer to these experiences of darkness and then purification and greater understanding as being spiritual baptisms. And so, you know, with some of these writings, today a psychologist might say, wow, they were really, really depressed. But back in those days, they called it spiritual baptisms. <laughs> <laughs> so when stuff got really dark, uh, really dark. That's when they come back way. out of it, right? The, the... Well, but the, the, you know, the, the, the descending into death, you know, being, being, bar- you know, being, being buried uh, with Christ, to be raised with Christ. That's, that's, a, that's a New that's, Testament concept. That's also how I keep hearing evangelicals explain baptism is that, well, the reason you do the full body immersion is because you got to dunk them down. And so then that's like the burying. And then when they rise back up out of the water, that. So that's, that's something I do want to, I do want to talk about, so a positive friend's percep- conception of baptism and what we do actually believe as opposed to what we don't believe. However, that leads me to something else interesting. Uh, and another reason to question uh, the necessity or even advisability of water baptism for Christians, uh, which is that um, the Bible is really clear about certain things that are required for Christians. We are we are we are clearly required um, to give of our resources to help the poor uh, and the needy among us. We're clearly required uh, to love those around us and to to uh, to uh, submit ourselves to one another. We're clearly required uh, to. Uh, follow Jesus and, and imitate his way of the cross. Um, and, we're, and, and Jesus Jesus, and then his followers later, especially Paul, they write about this and they speak about this again and again and again. Um, what we don't see anywhere in scripture is a detailed explanation of how baptism, how water baptism is supposed to be conducted. Now, when you consider how important water baptism is to many Christians and, and how uh, it's been tied up with an idea of salvation being attached to water baptism. It is striking that nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the Bible, anywhere, do you see an instruction on how it is to be performed. Right, and you get and you see those arguments among denominations where, you, where um, like I was saying, the Catholic sprinkle and then and then the Baptist dunk, and where you'll see people say, well. Based on this, you know, first century document describing what this group was doing, it should be in living water if possible, and if not, then still water. So using a little swimming pool in your church is only okay if you don't have a river nearby, or blah, blah, blah. And these are, and, and exactly what McKinsey was describing there, these are what friends would describe as uh, vain and vain and airy notions. <laughs> um, the, these, are, these are things where you get, you get just really detached from any and, sense and of maybe, connection uh, or text or, or the spirit. And maybe Romans 14 might call them, I think it's 14, is that the right one? Call it disputable matters. Disputable matters. So if, so this is just another argument that I think is a valid one uh, that, that would, that would, 
raise questions about the necessity or advisability of water baptism. If it's so dang important, why doesn't the Bible really say anything about how to do it? Okay, but uh, you were you were trying to say about um, positive Quaker conceptions of because it is true that we when we are asked to describe our religion by you know other people so much we say well we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do this other thing and we never actually say well we do do this. Right, and so I think the answer um, is that uh, you know baptism is often referred to and I think uh, I actually I'm feeling kind of ignorant here because I don't know who coined this term but it's a very common term at this point which is the idea that baptism and it's about sacraments in general I think the, the phrase is um, a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace right mm -hmm. and so something very interesting and I'm not making this up I got this from the book that we're reading along with and I think it's actually an excellent explanation I think it might actually be in the Catholic Catechism okay um, but 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 so uh, but th this but th I, this idea that I'm getting that I'm about to share with you I just want I just want to shout out to the book that we're reading the traditional Quaker Christianity they're the ones who say this and I think it's an excellent an excellent thing um, they say that the the sign of true Christian conversion is a life that bears spiritual fruit water baptism cannot be the outward sign of Christian because it does not convey the spirit. So the outward sign of inward grace is not being sprinkled or dunked in water. The outward sign of an inward grace is a transformed life and the practice of love. And, you know, on note of those, uh, of the fruits that you would see from having that inward grace, um, there's, you know, it says in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and that's in the ESV. Yeah, and I and I think I think really the the message the message of the Quaker of the Quaker movement around things like water baptism is uh, the important thing is to strive for those things and fixate a lot less on rituals like water baptism. Thanks for joining us. Can't wait to see your comments on the blog. And um, should just mention that something new we have set up is patreon.com slash quaker podcast we are trying to raise some money to have transcripts available for people who are deaf and hard of hearing you can find us on the web at quakerpodcast.org on twitter as quaker faith on facebook and on itunes